Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our exploration of Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of Richie McGinnis, the videographer for The Daily Caller, who followed immediately behind Kyle Rittenhouse and Joseph Rosenbaum in the moments leading up to Rittenhouse's fatal shooting of Rosenbaum. On today's episode, we continue our look at that direct examination as Binger questions McGinnis about the sequence of events that led him to be behind Rittenhouse and Rosenbaum at the time of the deadly shooting. That's all coming up right after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor Thomas Binger played a video clip recorded by Richie McGinnis of Kyle Rittenhouse and Ryan Balch walking south on Sheridan Road and waving to police, announcing that they were friendly and that they were medics, and then shouting to ask whether anyone needed medical attention. They then encountered a young man with a fire extinguisher who claimed to have been hit with a rubber bullet. Towards the end of the clip, McGinnis started to speak with a man wearing yellow pants, who pointed at Rittenhouse and remarked that while he was out here now offering medical attention, a short while before, Rittenhouse was implicitly threatening the man with a rifle at the 60th Street car source lot. Here's the audio of that clip. I think someone's got some medical weed, I'll tell you that. Does anybody need medical? Medical. Oh, I remember you. You say get out the car. Oh, you took the middle. Yeah, yeah. Yellow ass. Does anybody need medical? Come on, come on, come on. Medical. What? Yesterday or today? Today. 
After a brief recess, Prosecutor Binger questions Richie McGinnis about that clip. Mr. McGinnis, when we left off, we had finished watching the video that is entitled Richie McGinnis Walking with Kyle. It is the one in which you followed him south along Sheridan. And at some point in the video, uh, the defendant encounters a group of individuals. Um, the most noteworthy of one is uh, wearing bright yellow pants. Do you recall that? I do, yeah. And there's some interaction between the defendant and that individual. And then the defendant walks uh, across Sheridan Road. But you stayed. Yes. Why was that? Well, Kyle had told me you know, my goal going into these protest zones is to tell the full picture, or our goal. Um, and uh, after interviewing Kyle he, or Mr. Rittenhouse, uh, it was clear, you know, what he thought his mission was there. Um, but these individuals seemed to think differently. And so I wanted to hear what their opinion was on the matter, because that would be part of providing the complete picture. And the uh, individual in the yellow pants accused the defendant of pointing the, his AR-15 at that individual. Is that fair to say? Um, I believe he said, yes, something along the lines of you're waving the gun. You think you're in a movie. When you approached those individuals to speak with them, you took your, uh, was it your phone that you were yes, recording? Yes, yes. You took your phone and you, you stopped recording. You mm -hmm. pointed it to the ground and then after a while it stopped. Yep. We've established you're a, a, a video uh, director for your website. Mm -hmm. uh, capturing video is one of the things you do. Mm -hmm. Why did you stop recording that interaction? There are four individuals there, and um, you can see in the video, one of them had uh, large rocks in his hands. And, um, you know, it's a public street, so generally speaking, um, but just from a the perspective of an ethical perspective as a journalist or somebody providing content, um, you generally want to get the permission of people if you want to conduct a, a proper interview. Binger elicits from McGinnis that he felt an implicit threat from these individuals and that he never sought their permission to record them because of their posture. Binger then asks, The person who was wearing yellow pants did not have any sort of weapon, correct? No, okay. um, not so, that I could see. So just so we're clear, at that moment when you were dealing with those four individuals, you perceived two of them to have uh, rocks in their hands. And that was the extent of any sort of weapon that any of them had that you saw at that time. That I saw, yes. But in, in these kind of situations, it's never really clear who's armed and who's not. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I was still unsure of uh, my safety in that situation. Were you armed? No. Can you help us understand what it was about these four individuals who, by the way, all four of them are black, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. What was it about these four individuals, two of whom had rocks in their hands, that made you concerned about your safety? Um, well, the way that the one stepped out on me, it was like he, he was presenting the rocks as if he was ready to smash my head. Um, and he stepped out in my direction, at which point I kind of took one step back. Um, and in those kind of situations, I was trying to keep my distance to ensure that, you know, if he's going to advance closer, that I'm going to take that many steps backwards to keep our distance. Um, yeah. Do you have any idea why this individual 
step forward towards you in such an aggressive manner? It was because of my phone. Um, because he, I, I believe that it was because he perceived me to be recording him um, and he didn't want to be recorded. Once you stopped recording, did his demeanor so change? I put my phone down and then I told him I'm not recording. I just want to know what happened. And his demeanor did not change. Um, and he still had the rocks in his hands uh, as if he was ready to hit me. And so then I said, hey, guys, um, let's take a step back here for a second. Does anyone want to? Um, I generally carry like cigarettes and white claws to uh, defuse these kind of situations. Um, it's like a tactic. You know, people are always really angry in these in these areas. And, and that's a good way to, I guess, break the ice. Actually, that was part of the reason why they thought my actions were so funny to them was that I was so scared and so ready to run away. You, you say they thought your reactions were funny. How do you know they thought that they were funny? Because they all laughed when I asked them if they wanted a white claw. And, and, and um, actually, after that, uh, once I gave it to the one individual, they started making fun of the guy with the rocks, saying, oh, you think you're so tough. Like, there's one of him and four of us. And, like, look at how scared he is. Sounds They're, like, like at that point, the, whatever tension was gone. Correct. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Prosecutor Binger then inquires what happened after the tension with the man holding rocks was diffused. After that, what happened? Um, I got back to my task at hand, which was uh, inquiring about why they were mad at um, who I later found out to be Mr. Rittenhouse. Um, and uh, they said something along the lines of, yeah, we were over there, we were jumping on some cars, and he came up with this gun. And that was actually, right then was the point that I saw Mr. Rittenhouse running down the street. And I said, hey guys, I gotta go. Binger follows up on why McGinnis followed Rittenhouse. And McGinnis responds that he saw Rittenhouse running and carrying a fire extinguisher and assumed that something newsworthy might be happening. Binger then asked McGinnis about the moment when he caught up with the running Kyle Rittenhouse. When you eventually caught up to him, um, how close were you behind him in the end? Um, so, it's hard to, I guess, from the point where he was slowed down, um, when I caught up, to, caught up to him, it was just a moment after that that he started uh, running again. So, I guess at that time, I was probably like 30 feet back. And you described that the defendant then began running again. Yes. Was there any event that you perceived, that you heard or saw, that attracted your attention at the same time that the defendant started running? There were a lot of people yelling. Do you know what they were yelling? There were a lot of screams. I heard, like, an N-word. Um, and um, 
you can hear in the video the, the friendly friendly um, but it was mostly just yelling I didn't hear really anything decipherable we've heard some references to that friendly friendly now I know it's hard Mr. McGinnis I'm going to try and ask you to put yourself back in the uh, mindset of that evening uh, I, I assume since that evening obviously you said you've given a lot of interviews correct so, um, I, I gave as many interviews as I felt necessary to inform the public of what I saw. And I wasn't trying to make it exaggerate or anything like that, but no, you've, that's fine. you've given some interviews. Um, there have been a lot of videos out there on the internet. I assume you've watched some of those. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. If we can try our best to put aside what we've learned since then and mm -hmm. try and go back to that moment, and I'd like you to tell the jury what you were thinking and observing in that moment uh, without the benefit of hindsight or other videos or things like that. Is that, is that yes. fair? Okay. Yes. You mentioned friendly, friendly, uh, mm -hmm. at that time, that moment in that evening, mm -hmm. do you recall hearing that? I do not. Um, I recall, um, I was on the phone as well. So I was talking to Shelby and I recall hearing the yelling while I was still on the phone. And I said something along the lines of, Oh, expletive, I gotta go. And, um, and I hung up on Shelby, at which point that's when the running had started. Like I was already uh, basically running with uh, Mr. Rittenhouse and later Mr. Rosenbaum uh, at that, that moment. During our weekly recap, we will follow up on some of the subtext in Binger's questioning of Richie McGinnis and in McGinnis's responses. But for now, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we continue our exploration of Prosecutor Thomas Binger's direct examination of McGinnis, specifically his experience of the moments leading up to the shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>